Hi, and welcome back to the Mob Mentality Show. I'm Chris Lucian, and my co-host is Austin Chadwick. And today we have Claire Sudbury, uh, who is here to talk to us a little bit about um, ensemble programming when training fledgling software engineers. And so, uh, Claire, maybe you can give us a little bit of an introduction, and then we can uh, get into the subjects. Okay, thank you. So my name's Claire Sudbury. Uh, I've been a software engineer for 22 years. I've been a consultant for the last five years. I'm currently academy lead uh, with Made Tech. We're a small UK-based consultancy. Our academy is a 12-week program that we use to train up uh, very inexperienced software engineers to help them to become consultants. Um, although, uh, actually, I'm only going to be doing that for a little bit longer because I'm about to move on to an exciting new career as a freelancer technical coach all right fantastic uh well okay so um i'm really interested in this subject of uh of using ensembling to uh to introduce people to software development um so uh you know you say inexperienced how inexperienced are they when they come into the program uh you know and and what is what does success look like in in uh the the way that you do things Mm, that's a really good question. So um, in terms of how inexperienced they are, we don't ask for very much experience at all. All we ask for is that people have done some coding so that they know what it is and they know that they do want to do it because we don't want them to start and then decide they hate it. Um, but we don't ask that they've done it professionally. Um, so we just we give them a very brief coding test where we just check that they can code. But that does mean that we actually end up with a very broad range. So we have people applying who've maybe done a boot camp and a little bit of um, self-learning and that's it. But we also have people applying who actually um, are, have already maybe done a little bit of junior software engineering in a job. Um, so we have that that creates quite a broad range. There are people who are really very new and people who've actually been doing it for a while. Uh, and the next question, what does success look like? Um, we, it, it's interesting. What basically our aim is that at the end of our 12 weeks, we will have people that we can put on projects with clients who will actually be able to be software engineers um, uh, in a commercial environment. But we do tell our clients that we're giving them junior engineers. Um, we, don't, we don't make any pretense about that. So we certainly don't expect them to operate as senior engineers, for instance. We expect them to continue learning on that journey. But what we want is for them to be able to cope with all of the different technologies that they're going to be seeing. We want them to be able to continue learning enthusiastically and confidently. We want them to be able to communicate well with our clients. Um, and we want them to be able to understand the broad basics of, of what's important when delivering software. Um, so we don't, for instance, focus on a particular language or on you know, knowing all the ins and outs of, of how to write algorithms or, or anything like that. What we focus on is that they can do test-driven developments. So we put a really high focus on that. It's test-driven development from day one. We also put a really strong focus on collaboration. So they're pairing most of the time. They're either pairing or they're working ensembles. Um, uh, and we put a really strong focus on um, I don't really like the term soft skills because I think it devalues it, but we put a really strong focus on their ability to communicate, collaborate, to, to work effectively within teams, to be empathetic, to be supportive, to be kind to one another, all of the people skills, we, we, we put a very strong focus on that. 
Yeah, so success looks like the ability to land on a project and cope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think I think that sounds like a great preparation for it because, yeah, I mean, you could you could spend a ton of time studying algorithms and diving deep into one tech, and then you find yourself on a team and you feel like you're uh, swamped in people or collaboration or coordination or uh, value stream problems, you know, system, systemic problems, right? And so, uh, yeah, yeah. So I think uh, that, that sounds like a great uh, introduction into the world uh, of uh, professional software engineering. I, I like that. But um, yeah, so one thing that came to mind is uh, from what you said there, and then also what I've uh, learned about the academy uh, online is that uh, you have a mix of solo, uh, pair, and ensemble going on. And uh, so I'm, I guess. Um, Maybe what's the progression? Do they start solo? Do they, you know, and and maybe how much of each? Uh, what, what's kind of the mm. thinking there? So um, in the very first week, in fact, within the very few, first few days, we hit them with 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 all three, solo and pairing <laughs> and ensemble working. And, and just in case people don't know, when, when I say ensemble, I mean mobbing, because I, I think that term is possibly still more frequently used. Um, we don't use mob just because the word mob has slightly negative con connotations, the idea of mob mentality, for instance. Um, so... Um, we the, the individual stuff is really like, for instance, in the very first few days, we'll say you're going to need to get this stuff installed on your machine. And we also give them time every week for what we call self-learning, where it's up to them whether they work individually or not. Um, but pretty much all of the time that we're coordinating their activities, which is most of the time, we're either putting them into pairs or we're putting them into ensembles. Um, and what's really interesting is how much they love it. <laughs> uh, and, and I think and, and it's interesting because if you speak to established software engineers, in my experience, um, who haven't been in an environment where, where it's mostly pairing. And, and I think that's most software engineers, to be fair. I don't think pairing is still that prevalent within the industry. Um, and you suggest to them that they might have to pair all the time. Generally, my experience is that people are a bit like, oh, no, not sure about that. Um, but, but when you take people right at the beginning of their journey, and also you have to remember that we are filtering for it. So, so we, we tell them right from the word go that this is what we want. We want people to work um, collaboratively and there's going to be a lot of pairing. So if they didn't like the sound of that, they wouldn't be applying in the first place. Um, but it is really interesting how much they love it. Um, so, and, and like, so for instance, one of the things that we do that I really love is um, while we're recruiting, we have these things that we call intro days. And this is very fresh in my mind because we have just had three intro days, literally. What day is it today? It's Thursday, isn't it? Yeah. So day before yesterday was the last of the last three intro days. So um, Tuesday, Monday and Friday were, were our most recent intro days. Um, and, and what happens there is that we we select uh, some candidates so we shortlist some candidates and the ones that are shortlisted are I, I'm, I'm saying brought in, but we, we, it's all done remotely at the moment. Um, but what we do is we bring them all onto a call um, and we pair them with each other. Uh, and what we do is all day long, we put them in pairs. We actually, they're actually in threes or fours. So effectively, it's a pair of candidates plus one volunteer from Maytech. 
Mm. Um, so, uh, so they're already a little mini ensembles, uh, but effectively the candidates are pairing with each other. But then there's also somebody from Natech, and also it's not a kind of creepy. You work and we'll just watch you. <laughs> it's 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 all three people working together. So it basically is an ensemble, um, and they use they they generally use the driver navigator models. They so take there's... concerns. Does that mean that there's somebody more experienced uh, with the... Yes, the, yeah. yes. But it's interesting because they all refer to it as pairing. It feels like pairing to them. And, and I think that's because there are two, generally there are two people who are both candidates. Mm -hmm. um, and what we do is we really strongly encourage them to help each other. Mm -hmm. And really, for us, that part of the assessment is that we well, we are observing them. We just we just don't want it to feel like that. Uh, but but we're we're paying attention to how well they work together and how much they help each other. So that idea that even though it's an interview and technically they are in competition, we don't want it to feel like that. And that's not the point of it. They're not competing against each other to see who can look best. What they're actually doing, what they should be doing is trying to help each other. And that's what they'll get. Um, you know, they'll do well if they do help each other. Yeah. Um, that's what we want. Um, but what's really interesting, what we do is, uh, and it, 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 it's no secret that um, we, we spend the day, actually, I'm not going to say which language it is, um, because part of it's, it's not a secret, but part of the point is that they will be learning it together. It's an unusual language. It's not one that's commonly used. We don't use it within made tech. So, so what that means is that um, our people are also new to it. So everybody's learning together and we use Cohen's. So what they do is they go through a series of Cohen's and mm -hmm. nearly always they haven't come across it before. So they are actually learning, which is what we want, um, partly because we want to watch them learn, but also because we we want them to enjoy learning. We want them to have that experience. And at the end of the day, um, we always have a, a, a section where we encourage them all to tell us what their highlight of the day was. And the day consists of a little bit of a game at the beginning, then we send them off into groups. But um, at regular intervals during those groups, we pull them away individually and we interview them as well. So they also have one to one interviews. But the rest of the day, they're doing this exercise where they're doing this Cohen's and, and learning this language. And in the highlight of the day at the end, they, they always just load, like nearly all of them say how much they loved working together. For a lot of them, it's the first time they've ever done it. Um, and that experience, and I think it's very specific as well, because it's it's not just that you're learning, you're, you're working together, it's that you're learning together. And because they're all still at the beginning of their journeys, and obviously they've all got those insecurities about, oh, no, I don't know anything, I'm not clever enough. Um, people always worry that maybe they're a bit slow, maybe they ask too many questions. We always make a very big point of saying, we want you to ask questions, no question is too stupid please, please do ask questions. Does, if you're confused about anything, you're all in the same boat. We're deliberately giving you something that we don't expect you to know. This is not a test of your knowledge. Um, uh, and, and, and also we want you to help each other. So if one of you asks a question, we want the others to see whether they can answer it. And we also want you to Google stuff. You know, it's absolutely fine for you to Google everything, ask lots of questions. And, and having that experience with each other of learning together and seeing that they're not the only one who doesn't know stuff is always just incredibly enjoyable and valuable to them. 
and so and generally throughout the academy that's what we do we, we get them to learn together so we either put them into pairs or we put them into ensembles uh, and and what we want is them to help each other to learn and I, and I think that that does vastly accelerate the learning uh, and, mm. and people often say, you know, how refreshing it is, particularly when up to that point, a lot of them have been learning alone, they're self-taught to yeah. suddenly be doing it with other people is 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 an amazing experience for them. And uh, you'd mentioned, you know, they're in competition with each other, but like the, the truth is, is that there's there's so many opportunities out there for good software engineers in general that the more that we all help each other uh, mm-hmm. collectively, it just means more opportunity, uh, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so like, that's, you know, so, so the more yeah. you help each other, then the better off you both are uh, anyway. Yeah, exactly. It's not like yeah. it's going to be a shortage of these positions. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And we, we do have limited places. We can't give yeah. everybody a place, but, but what oh, we really want is for them to come away from the intro days, having had a wonderful experience, mm-hmm. being all fired up. And even if we can't offer them a place that we've given them just that little bit of, of an extra push towards, you know, following this, this new path that they're on. Uh, and helping them to, to do it elsewhere. We, we also encourage people to reapply it if they don't get in, but, um, but, but we want them to get something out of it, even if they don't get a place on the academy. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's uh, what you're saying really resonates a lot with uh, how we, what we're looking for when we're uh, hiring or working with uh, less experienced. Uh, like, I, you know, I love what you said about you're looking how well they help each other, right? So we recently mm-hmm. did a, uh, uh, intern interview process that was extremely similar to what you just described. Uh, I think the groups were slightly larger, but there was uh, someone there to help facilitate and move it along, but they weren't part of the driver navigator rotation. And yeah, exactly what you said. You know, we're we're not looking for you to have all the answers. It's okay to Google, but the main goal is like, how well do you help others contribute ideas? How well do you learn? How do you help each other mm-hmm. learn? Yeah. And and I think I've seen. The result of looking for that first as opposed to oh who shows the best uh, binary search tree in during the interview mm. right? <laughs> as the, yeah the yeah um is that those people really they the the rate at which they learn and grow and then they contribute so well in the mid to long term mm-hmm. in any uh, organization they contribute immediately as well but um, yeah exactly and yeah. and not particularly for us because we're a consultancy so um mm-hmm. we and we often work with blended teams which is where you have a mixture of consultants and client engineers mm-hmm. and and part of our role is, is to to help our client engineers to learn so as consultants, that's going to be part of the role. So we want our academy engineers to be doing that from day one, mm. to be helping each other. Yeah. Um, and it does, it accelerates the learning. It, it makes them so much more rounded. It gets them used to, to working collaboratively. Um, uh, and, and, and it does, it really shows. So, you know, everybody else within the organization always comments on how good the academy engineers are. Um, and and some, they're, they're often surprised because academy engineers will join them on projects and they're aware that these are junior engineers who, who are still very inexperienced, but they're always blown away by how good they are. Uh, and and that's you know because partly because we filtered for it, but also because we've just put them into this highly collaborative environment from day one. Mm. Um, 
but but it is interesting because you you originally you asked me about the 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 the, the balance of individual working versus pairing versus uh, ensemble working, and I kind of ended up talking about the intro days. So, um, oh, to, to to talk about the the academy itself, um, we 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 absolutely do give them time to work individually. So generally, at least two half days a week, we just call self learning time, and it's up to them what they do with that. Um, so if they want to go go off and, uh, and work on their own, not a problem. We, we we discourage them from working in the evenings and weekends, but I know that they do. I mean, you can't you can't stop them. Um, uh, so and, and I think that tends to be individual work. But but what's really interesting is that during those set aside self learning periods, they will often self organize into more pairs and groups. You know, they will often set up little mini workshops or sessions. You know, somebody will have been struggling with something. Somebody else will have solved it. They'll invite everybody into a little session, show them what they've learned. They might all be struggling with something and they'll all go into a session together to, to, to tackle it together. Um, the pairs, the, the, there are some long-standing pairs. So mostly when we pair them we, it's just random and we just we just rely on Google Meet to, to come up with a, a random set of pairs. In the last academy, I used the pair stairs idea to make sure that we were mixing up the pairs as much as possible and that everybody was getting a chance to pair with everybody else. Um, but there were 12 of them in that one and there are 21 of them in this one. Um, and, uh, and actually that was a, an administrative overhead uh, and, and my, 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 the, the other coach on the academy, Kyle, um, said to me, you know, we don't really need to do that. Let's just let Google Meet sort it out. You know, it'll be, it'll be, there are 21 of them. Uh, the chances of them ending up pairing with the same place per person are relatively small. So let's just, let's just assume that they, they will get mixed up automatically. Um, so so they, 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 they pair with lots of different people on individual workshops. But we also do have, um, and again, it's it's assigned more or less randomly, um, one long-standing pair that lasts for a few weeks where they work on one thing. So they get that continuity of working on a larger piece of software. That's for the first seven weeks. And then for the last five weeks that we split them into teams of four or five and they work together on a, a long-term project. Um, but in the first seven weeks, uh, they, you know, they just do get this experience of working with lots of different people. Um, so that's the pairing side of things. But we do also use ensembles. And what is interesting, which might surprise you, and I'm still not sure if it's because we somehow did it wrong. <laughs> we, 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 we initially, when we were looking at the timetable and thinking about how we wanted to introduce particular topics, there were some topics, particularly um, getting them started on TDD where we thought um, if we were to just say to them, do some TDD and just send them off into pairs, having done a brief introduction, what we thought was they're likely to struggle a bit. And, uh, you know, I, I think one of the things that a lot of people say is if the, the, the best way to learn TDD is with a coach is with somebody who's experienced, with a mentor, with somebody who can actually help you through it, because you can read as many books as you like, but the way you learn TDD is by practice, and it really helps to have somebody at your elbow who can guide you through that. And we were worried that if we just put them in pairs and send them off, they'll get stuck, or we won't be there to help guide them. So what we thought was, 
let's do it in mini ensembles and that way we can always be there with them uh, and we can help to coach them through it um uh, we can you know uh, try and be as hands-off as possible but we can help to kind of guide them in a good direction and and the way we worked it out because there were 21 of them and two of us um we worked out this system where we would split the cohort in two so it would be 10 in one half and 11 in the other half and then we would split those into two so um kyle and i would both be working simultaneously with one group of five or six mm. and those would make a decent size of ensemble um, because we had we did briefly try having 10 people in an ensemble and we it didn't work brilliantly it, we, we we had an interesting technique which wasn't the worst but but what what we did was we said um, there will always be five people who are active in the ensemble and then there will be five or six people who are not active who are observers um, and we will rotate in a kind of circular fashion so every time you fall off one end you come back in at the other end and we'll rotate every five minutes um, which means that every five minutes the five people that are active is changing slightly because one person's dropping off one end and one person's coming back in at the other end and there will always be five or six people who are observing so they're just watching what's happening and trying and trying to pay attention which wasn't that I almost think maybe that was more successful than the that when we put them into ensembles because what I'm going to say is that in that first week it kind of blew their minds because as well as learning TDD, as well as getting used to the academy, as well as meeting each other, as well as getting their laptops to work, because uh, we'd given them all new laptops, they were also trying to learn how to do an ensemble. Mm -hmm. And it was too many things. And particularly the, the ensemble, I mean, maybe particularly when we when we had them in groups of 10, and they're being observed by five people. It was quite daunting for them. So the observer role was quite good, but the being observed role was a bit like, you know, because they, they didn't quite know what they were doing. But, and even when we had them in groups of five, what they were most of them were saying was it was just too much pressure because they felt like they were being watched. And, and the way we did it with the five, mm. the, one of them would be what we call a typist, which I got from Emily Bates rather than driver, because um, I think most people or, or a lot of people struggle with driver and navigator which one's which um if you know about if you know about uh what is it grand prix uh then then it makes sense to you because you're used to that idea if you don't then it's harder um because for me as a driver and i'm not used to the idea of having a navigator generally when i'm driving i am the navigator um, so for me, the idea of driving is being in charge. When you're the driver, you're making stuff happen and you're also deciding which direction to go in. Uh, and so it's not obvious to me that a driver is more of a passive role. And I always struggle. I always have to think, hang on, which one is which? What does the driver do? Um, whereas if you call the driver the typist, it's much clearer. The typist is the person who types. Um, so anyway, that was just a little aside, but yeah, something that Emily Bates likes to do. And I, it, I, I got that from her um, and I, I think that works really well. But but anyway, um, 
what we were doing was we were having one typist, four navigators, or, uh, and the rest were observers. And every five minutes, it rotated, so somebody else became the typist. Um, and the the typist would feel quite exposed, and the navigators would also feel quite exposed, even when there were only five of them, because mm. they were all worried. They were all just re- even. We tried so hard to reassure them, but they were all in panic mode. And and yeah. they were all kind of, I don't know what's going on. They were struggling to follow it because, it, it, you know, it was all new to them. And even though we kept saying it's okay to ask questions, it's okay to pause, it's okay to check your understanding. I think also the fact that we were rotating every five minutes meant that, you know, everything kept changing really fast. They didn't have time to kind of get used to what they were doing. Um, and they were just, you, you know, it, they they would be like, I'm not quite sure what we're doing now or why we're doing it. Um, whereas when we put them into pairs, they would all go, oh, God, that's so much nicer because there's only two of us. And we can constantly check each other for our understanding. And there's only one other person that you have to worry about if mm-hmm. you are stuck or confused. You can both pause and, and start Googling. Um, so we we actually, based on their feedback, because one of the things, particularly in the first week, we have daily retros. We, we also have weekly retros. We're constantly checking in with them about how things are going. And the feedback that we got was we don't like ensembling. <laughs> um and so we were a bit surprised because we had thought the ensembles would help people to learn and would help us to help them to learn because we would be able to be in the ensembles Mm -hmm. but but actually that's that's not how it turned out and I'm still not sure if it's because we just if we could have tweaked it and, and made it work better but so we took for the second week we hardly did any and then in the third and fourth weeks we started introducing it again and then it went much better because by that time they'd done a lot of pairing, they'd done a lot of learning, they were used to TD, they were much more used to TDD. They had questions that they understood. If you see, you know, sometimes when you're right at the beginning, you have questions that you don't even understand your own questions. You're not even sure what it is that you don't understand. You know, it's just all a bit overwhelming. Um, but by the third and fourth weeks, they kind of they knew what their questions were. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when we started to guide them with things, it made more sense to them. Yeah. And they really felt the value of the ensemble. So I think next time we might actually not do ensembling in the first week or two, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or, or just think about how well, I say we actually I, I won't be there because uh, I'm, I'm moving on to new adventures. Yeah. But, uh, nice. but Kyle will. So Kyle will be taking all of these learnings forward. Nice. Yeah. I've seen the same thing happen before, too. And uh, I might be butchering it, Chris. You might have to correct me. Is uh, <laughs> if you introduce too many changes at once, the sat tier change is just like too steep for people mm-hmm. to comprehend. Uh, we were uh, this past uh, semester, we were mobbing once a week with college students. And uh, the first uh, mob session or two was a bit chaotic. It was a higher number of people. Um, It started to sound similar to what you were talking about, where people weren't as engaged and weren't quite understanding what was going on. And so we retroed about and talked about it. And I think it was just too much. It was just like everyone was getting used to each other. Uh, We were just starting the project with them. And so there was a lot of set tier buildup. And Mm -hmm. so we decided was just to split into smaller pairs or mobs to start with. And then... Mm -hmm. And then the students would ask for larger mobs at times when we were doing something that everyone wanted to be a part of or whatever. But 
yeah, I think taking the larger numbers down to smaller has helped in some cases. And then mm. in other cases, I've seen, you know, students or uh, people who've never ensembled together. They're in a large ensemble and it goes really well. And so there's no need mm -hmm. for the split. So it's it's maybe one of those inspect and adapt kind of things. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, every situation is different. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that, thanks for sharing that experience. And I think that's that is a good takeaway that uh, it can be too much in certain cir circumstances to introduce it at certain times. So. There's, a, there's a term, um, the fluent edge, learning on the fluent edge, right? Where it's like, you yeah. know, just at the edge of their fluency uh, is, is kind of, um, is gonna be that where you're comfortable enough to move forward. And if you're not on the fluent edge, I think I got this from Willem uh, Larson, but uh, if, if you're way outside of that fluent edge, then yeah, you're gonna have you're gonna have a lot of uh, you know either imposter syndrome or whatever it might be, um, and and so uh, yeah, bringing the visibility down sometimes can make people feel a little safer in those situations. Mm. Um, but uh, but yeah, identifying where the fluent edge is um, mm -hmm. can also help with that, right? And so yeah um you know maybe maybe they're less comfortable with programming in general so maybe tdd and mobbing learning them both at the same time is not as easy as maybe you know writing an algorithm together without tdd as a mob mm -hmm. and then adding tdd in uh as, as something to to gradually increment on um mm -hmm. as, well, as well but I, I think that uh yeah it, rather than you know one experiment is rather than changing the the ensemble size is to change uh, the content um, to be something that they already know. Mm. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I especially see this often in uh, conference talks and open spaces when we do a, a code dojo. Um, and that's where you have multiple pairs rotating people and it's the same problem, but different languages. Mm -hmm. And I recently did one where it was, uh, a, a kata that no one has done before and different languages at every station. And so people were trying to figure out the kata as well as the language. And uh, one of the languages was closure and one of them was go. And so as we were rotating through, everybody's like, I had no idea what the language was. I had no idea what this was and that was. And, um, and the, so I, I think that uh, it could be that the, the comfort level there is um, not only related to ensembling, but also to uh, this idea that the problem space might be so foreign um, and, and yeah, maybe going down to pairs so that, uh, you know, learning to work with other people, uh, you know, is good too. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, like I said, just the, the, the other, the flip side of that is a problem that they've all seen before. And so mm -hmm. in code dojos, I like using FizzBuzz because a lot of people have seen it before. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, you were talking about the, um, I've forgotten already, but something edge. Oh, the fluent edge. The fluent, <laughs> the fluent edge. edge. Uh, and, and that reminds me of a, a diagram that we show during the intro days, that during the intro to each intro day, we always show them a diagram um, that, that's just three concentric rings. Um, but the, 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 the middle ring is much thinner than the, the sorry, the middle, the middle of the, there is a circle in the middle that is the middle of the circle. And then there is a ring around the circle and that is quite thin. 
And then there is a fat ring around that that is the outside of the circle. Oh, that yes. thin yeah. ring in, the, in, in between the other two is what we call the learning zone. So the one in yes. the middle is the comfort zone. And then there's that thin ring around that. And then outside of that is the fat panic zone. Yeah. Uh, and what we talk to them about is how um, ideally during the intro day, we don't want them to be in, in the comfort zone, but we also don't want them to be in the panic zone. And um, so we want them to all be helping each other to find that learning zone. So we want them to be challenged. We don't want them to be bored, which would be the, the comfort zone. But we also don't want them to, to spill over into the panic zone, which which is which we're acknowledging right from the beginning is a, is, is a definite possibility. So we want them all to be looking out for that panic zone in themselves and each other and helping each other back into the learning zone when they find themselves in, in, in the panic zone. Um, and I think that's that, that that that's also what we're talking about, isn't it? And I think maybe yeah. we, we basically... Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's exactly uh, the fluent edge, I think, is that that analogy yeah. is exactly it. Because once you're once you're off in, in the land of complete unknown, then you know there's a chain of dependencies of knowledge and then the comfort zone people can just do those things without thinking about them at all um but i do think that the first time somebody does an ensemble they the problem space that they're working in probably should be in the comfort zone mm. so because because the the fluent edge is mm -hmm. not the problem they're working on the fluent edge is the interactions between uh, mm -hmm. typist and navigator and and na navigator of the navigator and all those different roles uh, that may exist yeah 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 I think that's a really good point okay, yeah cool. thank you for helping me to kind of identify <laughs> that what, what's what's really interesting what's really interesting from our point of view is that we that we put a, a very high premium on test-driven development yes we really awesome. want them to be doing that from day one yeah. so the question then is, how do we find the comfort zone within the ensemble um, context? And I wonder maybe whether the answer is to to actually give them a bit of time in pairs to get used to TDD before we do ensembles. Yeah. yeah. Or, or whether we do just find something really, really trivial. Um, I suppose what uh, another possibility, sorry, I'm thinking aloud now, but uh, uh, another possibility <laughs> is that um, we, we start a session by running through a just a trivial, a very, very trivial coding problem um, that's that, that's barely even a catter. And we actually solve it in front of them. We say, yeah. hey, look, here's, here's an approach. And then we get them to try and reproduce that in the ensemble. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so uh, in our in our interviews for for um, senior candidates, even uh, a lot of the people that apply with us, they don't they don't have any experience doing ensembles. And so that, you know, the interview itself is in an ensemble. And so, uh, you know, we became very aware when we first started interviewing people that uh that there was panic just setting in from ensembling for the first time in the interview. And so, um, you know, the, the very first thing that our candidates go through is a extremely trivial problem that they do by themselves in mm -hmm. front of someone else. And then they're brought into an ensemble and they do the exact same problem mm -hmm. just by verbalizing the code for the first time. Yeah. And usually just that little bit is enough to then have them navigate the whole rest of the interview and it's fine. Mm -hmm. But 
Um, but that little that little change was the difference for us between between panic and kind of fluent edge learning. Mm. You see, what I'm now thinking is, why do we not have a problem in our intro days, um, given that these koans are, are quite challenging because they're in a language that most of them have never seen before? Um, uh, and it's so either um we're putting them in a position so so this this thing of the highlight of the day at the end where they all say what an amazing time they had and, and how much and they all it's really kind of apparently genuinely talk about how much they enjoyed the, the the group work so there's two possibilities either there's there's some something about the conditions and I, I have a theory about what it might be that means that we're setting them up for success or they're telling us what we want to hear and actually they're all having a horrible time and it's terrifying, <laughs> which is a possibility. Uh, yeah. That's but, very possible during an interview. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but, but I wonder if actually it's because they're smaller groups. So they, they, there's gen, there's only ever three or four people yeah. all together, two or three candidates, mostly two. It's only three when we have an odd number of people, um, two or three candidates and then one person from Maytex. So there's a much higher ratio of experienced people to inexperienced people. Um, and, uh, you know, we do put a lot of effort into saying, you know, this is it doesn't matter how much progress you make. We don't care how much progress you make. This is just supposed to be interesting and fun for you. And and, and you can all help each other and we're going to help you. And uh, yeah. maybe that's it. Maybe that's enough scaffolding and the fact that the groups are smaller. Or maybe they're just telling us what we want to hear. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think that just in general, uh, you know, bringing people in into that that comfort, that comfortable space, like that's totally reasonable. And it is really a process of experimentation, but also when you've, you know, after you've hired them, I think that's the time to do the retrospective with the people that you hired, because then, mm -hmm. you know, they're much more likely to give you that, that brutal honesty. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I also like this, you know, um, just, just, you know, put more increments, right? So in any places that you're experiencing problems or, or uncertainty, uh in additional increments like that, that a lot of the time um, that's really helpful so you know it's just yeah. maybe add one person at a time you know or something like that mm. just... mm. yeah, yeah I, agree. I agree with what you're saying claire where i've seen that too where where i feel any I, sometimes it's the gut feel like oh i feel like this session has a higher chance of panic zone instead of that learning zone right <laughs> and so for me smaller numbers and higher guidance usually helps that out um mm -hmm. you know whether it's pair ensemble but uh and I also thought it was really interesting too, your thoughts about what order to do things, you know, to pair first and TDD or TDD then pair or pair TDD together, mm -hmm. you know, and I've seen it, I think happen every way around where some people have learned to ensemble first and then through ensembling with someone, they learn TDD well, or they learn to TDD well. And then the next thing they learn is ensemble or pair. And so, um, but I think like Chris was saying, usually one at a time is the, I, I've seen. Mm. But some people, there's a rare group, and I think I'm in this rare group, where I like to jump in the deep end. I want to learn, I want to jump into <laughs> a team, swim. <laughs> learn eight things at once, um, but, uh, but I'm more weird like that. So, uh, but we are hitting the end of our time box, um, and thank you so much for this conversation. We've really, it's been, it's been great, good learning for us. And uh, before we close the show, is there anything you'd like to share a plug? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, so I, I'm about to go freelance, so I, I am going to be available uh, as a technical coach uh, for, for helping people to learn ensembling and pairing and TDD and refactoring and, and good software engineering practices. Uh, and I'm also, I've got a few events coming up, so I'm speaking at Lead Dev London, and I'm speaking at Joy of Coding in Rotterdam in June, which I'm really looking forward to. That looks like a fantastic event. And I'm also doing a couple of talks and a workshop at SED Conf in London in May. That's probably oh oh but sorry I should also say that I'm running an online workshop for O'Reilly on refactoring on the 28th of April. Awesome, fantastic <laughs> stuff. Great. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks again for being on the show and to our audience. Um, yeah, please like and subscribe, and uh, we love feedback on YouTube, uh, Twitter, and more. And uh, yeah, please share this episode with someone uh, if they're you know, learning or seeking ways to help, uh, you know, inexperienced people come to learn how great practices like TDD, uh, pairing and ensembling, and uh, yeah, just about learning in general, great ways to, uh, you know, some concepts to think about and apply and experiment, inspect, adapt. Um, and until next time, uh, have a good one, everybody. Mob well, and see you later. Thank Good you for having me. See you.